Well, thank you, Julie. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, so kind. Uh, my name's Tim. It's my joy to open up uh, God's Word for us. Uh, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are not far off, that you are not distant, but you have drawn near, and how thankful we are for that at Christmas time. We remember your Son, the ultimate gift. Father, we pray that as we think about Jesus right now, that you would help us to love him more. Maybe love him for the first time and truly understand just who he is. And we pray that in his name. Amen. Well, 2018 has been a year of significant events and with significant events come big news stories. Uh, we see things happen and we are told about them all the time and perhaps as you look at that uh, screen, you can think of things that happened throughout the year, news that made us feel uh, conflicting things, perhaps, uh, maybe made us worry for our world, uh, or maybe made us challenge uh, preconceived ideas we had about just who our country was and what we stand for. Uh, maybe, though, you don't need news items to remind you of your year, because perhaps 2018 for you has been a year of great heartbreak. Or on the other side, maybe it's been a really joyous year. It's been fantastic and you've achieved a lot. I wonder if you had to come up with one word to describe your 2018. What would it be? What would one word be to describe the year that you've had? I wonder for how many of us we would describe our 2018 as a year of hope or joy or peace. My guess is, even if we've had a really good year, the word to describe it would be frantic or busy or something like that. Perhaps not the words that are above me right now. Because when we look at the circumstances of our life, it's rarely these kind of words that we use to describe our life. But they are words that we strive for, long for, and want. This is a picture of our... Uh, postcard that we sent around the local streets advertising our Christmas services and the reason why churches like us use words like hope, joy and peace is because we know that's what we're all searching for. That is what we want, whether we admit it to ourselves or not. But maybe you're here and you wonder why Jesus is tacked onto the end of that list. Why why Jesus? I mean, hope, yeah, I want hope. I, I don't want a life devoid of hope. That scares me. Joy, yeah, I don't want some just sugar-hit happiness to get me through life. I want some real, deep, life-sustaining joy. And peace. We long that in the chaos of our world, maybe there is someone who can bring some semblance of peace. We want those things. They'd be great presents to stumble across at Christmas. But not Jesus. Why would a religiously significant person who lived 2,000 years ago be put on a list of things that we all strive and long for? Well, my hope is that over the next 15 minutes or so, as we just look at one verse from our reading tonight, you might see that Jesus is something that we long for someone 
who is the best thing on that list. The one verse that I want us to look at is verse 11. It starts with the phrase, today in the town of David. Today in the town of David. It's a news story. It is an angel. Before that one angel is joined by the rest of the angels, it's an angel who appears to the shepherds and says, like a news anchor, revealing big news, today in the town of David. Because it's a news story. And the thing about big news items is that they often reveal a bit of a backstory. Now, depending on how keenly or uh, not you follow politics and current affairs, pun intended, uh, Barnaby Joyce may or may not mean much to you. But the news items of this year was that Barnaby Joyce had, had a child with his staff worker, who's pictured there. And that's a news item that comes with a bit of a backstory because in December last year, 12 months ago, Barnaby Joyce was still married to his now former wife with whom he had four children. And so this news story is one that comes with a backstory of brokenness and betrayal. Well, Christmas, the story of another child's birth, comes with a bit of a backstory of its own and not just uh, a backstory uh, that Mary and Joseph weren't married at the time of conception. You see, it is significant the verse says, today in the town of David. David was Israel's greatest Old Testament king. He was the king that all Israel wanted to have and wanted to have again. And the Old Testament often speaks about one who would come in the line of David, one of his descendants who would be the king that Israel wanted, the king that Israel needed. He would be a promised child, another king who would come for God's people. This is a birth with a backstory, but it is a wonderful backstory. It is a backstory of a faithful God who hasn't given up on his people. And so, maybe for you, this is the backstory you need to hear at Christmas. Because perhaps 2018 has been a year of marital brokenness for you or a former marriage has taken a new toll on the lives of your children or it's other relational strain that has taken its toll in 2018 or it's been relationships in the workplace or there is something that has gone on this year that makes you feel the brokenness and betrayal of this world and the good news of this backstory is that God is faithful to his people. God will sustain you. God can be trusted. And when everything else is falling apart, God is the rock on which we can base our lives. And I want us to hold on to that. I want us to cling on to that. Because Christmas is not just an example of God's faithfulness in giving this king. It's the ultimate answer to God's faithfulness. Because the main part of the news that is given at Christmas is this. Today, in the town of David, the angel says to the shepherds, a saviour has been born to you. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Now, one of God's good gifts to mankind is the sport of cricket. Uh, it's a beautiful game. 
It is the perfect combination of individual performance and teamwork. It, is, uh, it has the tactical grind of long-term strategy. It has the patience of repeated concentration and yet moments of skillful brilliance. It has everything. Okay. <laughs> it is a great sport. Up until earlier this year, I would have maybe described it as a pure game. But even an ardent cricket fan like myself can do so no longer. Because earlier this year, three of our national cricketers let us down. If you're not up with uh, the world of sport, there was uh, an event that happened in South Africa where Steve Smith, the Australian captain, uh, approved of a plan to use sandpaper to artificial, artificially alter uh, the surface of the ball, to uh, alter the way it uh, travelled through the air, making it, making it more difficult for the South African batsmen uh, to, face the, to face it. The then Australian captain, Steve Smith, came home, front of the media. There was a trial by media. He and the two others received bans from the game for nine months and 12 months. Here's the thing. I can't stand here tonight and know that I wouldn't have done the same thing. It's very easy for me to think that I uh, would have been better, more moral, more ethical, than Steve Smith, but I just can't know that. I'd like to think that I would have reprimanded the teammate who suggested the plan, but I can't say with any confidence that I would have done any better. Why? Because I know my own heart. And it's easy to judge with hindsight, but I know that in the heat of the battle, my competitive nature often overtakes my moral compass. And I'm sure that fueled by my own insecurities, I'm capable of far worse than rubbing sandpaper on a cricket ball. My guess is, if you're honest, you've had moments like this. Moments where you can't believe what you've done. Moments where you can't believe you've let people down. Maybe it's not on the sporting field, but maybe it's a burst of anger that has come from you and you so deeply regret what you said or did. Maybe it's words to a loved one that you just don't mean. My guess is that all of us have had Steve Smith moments. But the problem isn't just that we aren't great. The problem is that we have those moments between us and God. Either we've railed against him with all of our rage, or perhaps even worse, we've completely disregarded and ignored him. Or we've pledged to honour him with our lives, but failed miserably. Well, hear the good news of Luke 2.11. A saviour has been born to you. And notice that the angels don't make this news proclamation to Mary and Joseph. They don't say to the parents, a child has been born to you. They go out to the shepherds, people who have nothing to do with these out-of-town parents, and say, a saviour has been born to you. Because the birth of Jesus is not just to the nuclear family. He's a saviour for the world. A saviour for all of us who 
need a saviour. Sam Albury is uh, an English pastor and speaker and he tweeted this the other day. I thought it was brilliant. We sung this carol earlier, but he just tweaks it. He says, O come all ye faithless, joyless and defeated. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Christmas is for the weary, for the messed up and for the broken. If your life isn't Instagrammable, Christmas is for you. It's the people who walked in darkness who have seen a great light. Perhaps Christmas is more for Steve Smith this year than last. Because perhaps now he knows he needs the saviour that is born on Christmas. Maybe Christmas is more for you this year than last. Because maybe you know that you need a saviour more than you ever have before. Because today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, we, all, we often talk about Jesus Christ as if, uh, should we be speaking more formally, we might call him Mr. Christ. Uh, but Christ isn't a surname, it's a title. So we should be the other way around. Instead of Mr. Jesus or Dr. Jesus, it would be Christ Jesus. It's a title. It means anointed one. It's the same word, Christ, as Messiah. Just different languages. It means anointed one like a king would be anointed. And so Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Christ. Or as the verse puts it as well there, Jesus is the Lord. Now, Lord is a funny word uh, that we often throw around. And sometimes we can forget what a Lord is. It's one of those words that gets repeated a fair bit. So what is a Lord and do we even want one? Well, a few months ago, terror hit the streets of Melbourne. Now, a personal story here, my mum was shopping in Burke Street Mall that day. That day, where a religious zealot rammed pedestrians and attacked innocent bystanders. And it's a reminder that we, in this country, are perhaps not as safe as we think. Sure, we've got it better than most. We've got it so good that sometimes we like to think that we are Lord over our own lives and over our own country. But then things happen that no one can prevent, and we remember that we're not in control. And so either somebody is, or somebody is not in control of this world. Either there is a grand plan more complex than we can understand at times, or we do just live in a world of chaos. The Bible says that Jesus is Lord, that he is in control. And we might, when we hear that, wonder why things like Melbourne still happen and why he doesn't just get rid of wrongdoers. But then we remember the Steve Smiths like us and we remember that we are wrongdoers too. And so we can be glad he doesn't get rid of us. Instead, we can look to what Jesus, the Lord, did with the mess that we created in this world what did jesus do christmas he took on flesh the eternal son of god all the power in the universe 
born in a manger. To live the perfect life that we couldn't live and on the cross pay the penalty that we deserved. Why? Because he was born to be a saviour. The promised king from the line of David. Sent by a God who is faithful to his promises. Sent for people like us who sometimes can't believe the things that we do because he's in control of this mess. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord.